Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you and praise you for you are God, you are Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you give us the grace to put you first. And Lord, I ask that you would um, help us to find the courage and find the strength to put you first when it's not easy, when it's not convenient, when we're going to be asked to trust in little things and in bigger things. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that in planting us in this moment in history, you give us the graces we need to take the actions that you require from us. Lord, give us the grace to say yes. Give us the awareness of realizing just how much is at stake, not only in our own lives and becoming saints, fulfilling your mission for us, but for other people's lives as well. Thank you, Lord, for that. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, uh, I said that prayer because of what happened at the beginning of my today. So this program's airing on Friday. We're recording this on Thursday night. Early this morning, I woke up, and I had a task in front of me. And that task had to do with a real estate purchase. I was I was buying a small building for... Uh, for uh, this business that I'm growing. Um, you, you're gonna hear a little bit more about it in the program, but um, we had found out that there was an, I was working with this agent helping me and, the, and there was an offer that was gonna come in and I had to get an offer in and I needed to get the offer in early in the morning. But I also had committed to get to mass every day. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I need to get this work done and I need to get it done in the morning and because there's a lot at stake, I gotta get this done, but wait a minute, I gotta get to mass. So I went to the St. Mary website, St. Mary's in Spokane, Father Lewis's uh, parish, and I'm like, well, I'll just go tonight at 5.30. And then I went to the site and what time is mass on Thursdays? We know this from 7 experience. 7 a.m., I know, I should know this <laughs> by now. missed it a few times. My goodness, God bless me. God bless you. And so I started looking around at other parishes to find a mass time that was gonna work because um, I also knew my schedule during the day, and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make it at the end of the day. What about in the middle of the day? What about? And I found St. Joseph in Otis Orchard had an 8.30 mass. And I'm like, well, I can do that, but I'm going to have to quickly run by like FedEx office or UPS office and scan and, and, and then email some documents that I've got to get printed and signed. And I'm like, oh, I got to go right now and go do it. And, and I'll be able to do that, time it, and make it to Mass on time, and I'll get everything done. Did you make it? Well, what happened? I don't know. I don't know the story. You don't know the story. Did you tell me this? No, I didn't tell you the okay, story. Okay, because I think You're sometimes like, I'm losing minute, my mind. To... And then, honey, remember what you did? Are you teasing me? Yes, I'm teasing you. You did nothing. I don't Because you weren't involved in this. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you went and made sure the kids got to school. Yes. So that's I, um, my one job. So I zoomed out of here, and I, um, I was like, okay, I'll have just enough time to get in there, get all those tasks done and make it to mass. And I realized by the time I got down to where the FedEx store was or the UPS store, that I wasn't gonna make it to mass on time if I did this. And now there's the drama. Do I go into the store and complete this transaction, uh, this activity of scanning, printing, emailing, signing, and emailing all the documents because I, I want to get this property, or do I, and and get to mass late, 
or even miss Mass altogether? Or do I go right to the church, get there early, go to Mass, and then after Mass, drive all the way back to the store, and then get the documents out? Tom, I would pick door number two. Door number two. And so that's what I picked. I picked door number two. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to put it in the Lord's hands. If I lose out on this transaction and they take the other offer because I went to Mass, I'm going to be okay with that. And, and that was not easy. It was not easy because I worked really hard to find the right place. And, and you know, in this real estate market, it's hard to find the right place. And I went, I had seen it the day before, and it's like, this place is going to work. And it was crazy because no one had looked at the place until the day I went to go look at it when two other people went and looked at it. Did the Lord save you $50,000? I just want to hear. Yeah. Um, the other guy backed out. They're desperate. You lowballed them. Not Let's at all. Let's go. Darn. Not at all. But um, I didn't have to overpay, which was great. And so um, ended up with uh, getting the property. It ended up that I, I just texted him and said, I will get you this, my, my, my agreement by like 9.30, right? So I'll make it to mass, make it back, get all that stuff done. And I'm like, it is what it is. That's when I'm going to get it to you. And um, I sent that off into the, into the digital world and went to mass and prayed and um, just entered into the mass. And at the end of mass, saw that little message that had come out. That's fine. What's the prayer? Lord Jesus, you take over. Yeah. What's the uh, release oh, the prayer? Father, um, Father um, Ruotolo. Yes. Um, prayer. Yeah, Jesus, you take over. Right, Jesus, I abandon myself to you. You take over. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. I, that's funny. I didn't think of that. Um, I, what I did think of was I normally, you know, we rarely go to St. Joseph's in Otis Orchard. But what parish was it? St. Joseph. Who's St. Joseph? He's the foster father of Jesus. He's the husband of Mary. He's the head of the household of the Holy Family. And he's the one who says, he's the one who had that task of leading, providing, and protecting his family. And I have looked to Joseph as an inspiration so very much, especially in, in this past year with this idea of I need to help everyone to to become aware of the slaughter of the innocents that are happening in their homes if they have got kids, especially teenagers, and help them find their own Egypt. Like, where is your Egypt? Where is your place of refuge that the Lord is calling you? Whatever that means. Or just make people aware that they need to find an Egypt. Yeah, they need to find an Egypt. That there right? is a need to find an Egypt. Absolutely, right. And um, I mean, this was not a need a few years back. No, no, Carrie. I mean, you know how many times you have said to me that one of the hardest parts of our move wasn't really about us. It was about the dream that we had for our kids in their high school years. It was sort of like, a, um, what was that movie? High School Musical, right? <laughs> you know, kids dancing and singing and everything. We're all in this together. Hey, maybe there's some relevance to that song uh, that... Um, you know, how did you describe it? That just that, like, what's the dream you had for your kids going to Kennedy Catholic High School? Uh, I don't know. Since it's all burned, been destroyed, I just left it 
walked away. Jesus, you take over. You know, your epiphany water is actually green. I'm just looking here at that one. It looks like there's algae growing in it. <laughs> I think it's because it's the sun. The sun shines on it during the day. So it is so. growing. I actually have thought about that. I'm like, if algae grows in epiphany water, is that a sign of spiritual attack? The devil's trying to attack No, my, it's my... healthy. It is growing stuff. I know. I have no idea. Uh, I think the hardest thing was that we had no one to hold our hand. Now, that doesn't really have to do with leaving high school, but the whole general sense of moving. I was couldn't wait to get six months in and look back and say, see, it all worked out. And I just could not. Did you think that was going to happen? Yeah, I thought that at some point, but I just couldn't imagine it because it was so painful and so hard and there's so many roadblocks. And the interesting thing is I've heard you have about five different conversations with five different people in the last week, a little bit here and there when you're on speaker. And some of them were sharing some of their hardships and struggles and agony. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is bringing me back to two years ago. Because now I can say, oh yeah, you should be, it's so great. We love it. It's awesome. And we make it sound really easy and wonderful and you know just rainbows and unicorns and everything sweet but um when they were sharing with you and i heard a little bit of their anxiety and and struggle i thought oh yes i remember those very painful moments and hours and days of is this going to be okay is this what i knew we were supposed to do it but it's like lord help me i just i surrender i surrender i surrender you have to do this because we need we needed to move. We just did not have the option to stay. It was just really hard to walk that path. And I do you remember me saying to you, and I maybe I saw it in a movie or maybe I read it in a book later on, but I feel like I lived this. You know, sometimes you're like, I'm not really sure if that happened or if I just imagined that happening. But it was like, if you don't have the pain, if you don't have the agony, if you don't have the horrific hard, difficult, then you don't appreciate all the joy and the glory on the other side of it. So you have to kind of go really low to come really high. I know there's some quotes out there and books and stories and scriptures probably, but I just remember feeling like this is actually really good when you're really in a situation where it's, there's no way out and I'm so desperate. It makes the best stories. And that's what a lot of self-help book people do. They just make up these ridiculous stories of how they're on the desk door and they got hit by a car while they had brain cancer and, you know, there's no way. And then they had this come to Jesus and everything became wonderful because blah, blah, blah. You see that in a lot of self-help books of the people sharing their testimony. I was, the situation did, and now I am. But I do remember that thinking, well, this isn't going to be a really awesome story if we just easily move over here. Now, I know the program's not about moving, but hearing all the conversations you're having lately, I thought, oh, people are, like, those who wanted to move have moved. But it feels like there's a whole second wave coming. And it feels like there's even a bigger intensity. And I don't know how that is coming about. I literally, for my own mental health, have to shut off news media and just everything because it's just too difficult for me. I mean, maybe I'll come back to that, but I definitely feel like God is calling forth prophets and leaders and people who are courageous to say, here we go. This is where we're going. Come this way. I got, you know, the, what St. Joan of Arc was, what was she? The bearer of the big the flag, standard bearer. Yeah. <laughs> the big flag, bearer. like with confidence and faith and 
courage because I just feel like there's a lot of people not sure where to go and what to do right now. And yeah, I know I'm just like rambling. I'm really sorry. No, it, uh, you know, you said something when it made me stop and think, who am I actually spending more of my time talking to? I would say in the first year and a half, it was mostly couples around our age who have teenagers, right? So those are the ones that were in the fire, right? And a lot of those folks were the ones that came. Now, more recently, uh, I'm still talking to, to folks like that, but I'm talking to more grandparents who are like trying to prepare the way for their kids and grandkids, like trying to really prepare the way for like their entire family, or to young married couples who only have little kids. And so they're still years away from really experiencing the full brunt and impact of the culture on their own kids. And um, I think some of the messaging that is, is happening there is, I wanna rescue the generations like whatever happened to my kids that has have like caused them to lose their grip on faith, I want to rescue what can be rescued. Amen. And for the younger generation that is with the um, younger kids, um, a lot of them want fellowship. They want fellowship as they're entering These are that like journey. Millennials in their thirties, yeah. they're newly married. They have a couple of kids. And they're going to mass, and they're just also no 20s, one. Carrie. In their twenties, <laughs> that's right. And they just don't have a lot of other couples or they're in a men's group and they're the youngest one. And the next one is 65. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, it is, it is a sad reality, you know, and I, I think it's important to say we talk about this because it is our mission. And I don't know way back when God called us to move and we had no idea, but we are starting to realize in what's emerging in our heart and in conversations and, not us really seeking after it, but it coming to us is you need to be a place of kind of switch, like the turning, like helping them. What's that? Change of mindset. What's that toy where something, they come up to the toy and then it flips and it projects it in the other direction. Or, a boomerang? Well, no, I don't even know what that is. I'm just having this, <laughs> this image. I will let you know. But I feel like um, there's a way in which this is part of, our call as a couple is to help people and to just be a place of we've done this. We know how hard it is. You got this. God has this even more importantly. And here's some things that will encourage you and help you along the way. Well, and you know what? Isn't that the idea of like, how do I foster faith in my family? Well, we can talk all about fostering faith in a family when you're in an oasis, like everything's going well. Well, then you can just talk about ordinary activities to grow in faith. But if the house is on fire, right, you then have to take more serious actions. And I think that's part of what, not just fostering faith, but protecting faith in the family. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Great to be with you today. I'm with Carrie. Carrie, um, you said something, you said the term like mission and ministry and how that was connected to our sharing our story. And I want to say this, it wasn't planned, right? So it wasn't planned that this would be the way that we would, um, uh, in fact, like live at this point in our lives. No, it's just something that has been emerging and slowly and I think, you know, a couple of my friends have spoken into my own life, like, Carrie, I see you doing this. I see how you and Tom are helping these families. I see how you guys have been ministering and welcoming and hosting. And 
and just really being encouraging. It's almost like I see my mission through their words of affirmation to me because I think we're just doing what feels natural. Like we're just so grateful for what God has done in our own family and in our move. And we want to share the bounty. We want to share the the fruits of our labor. Like, you guys, this is just so amazing. This is awesome. Well, and the urgency, right? So I think it's like... No, let's just stay with the fun, <laughs> fruit, Well, no urgent. It's like, yeah, when it's a... Uh, if, if there's not a lot at stake in the moment, then it's okay to be able to just continue focusing on things like how do you grow in your prayer life and let me explain Catholic theology. But I have to say that as we've shared our, our journey and helped people to stop and reflect, what are you doing regarding education? Whether or not you move, what are you doing regarding the education of your kids? What are you doing regarding the use of the internet for your kids? What are you doing regarding uh, the families you're fellowshipping with? What are you doing regarding awareness about the laws and policies, festivals, and other um, other uh, customs that are emerging in the community you're in, in the city, the co- county, the state you're in? All of those things, it's like, you know what? people's lives have been changed. And I'm like, that's like, that, that is what I have, I've had less appreciation for is that in sharing our journey and then people reach out to us and then we walk with them, we encourage them, um, we share with them, we welcome them and host them. And all of a sudden they get here and they come back and they say, thank you so much. You have no idea. And I'm like, wow, maybe this is a ministry. Maybe this is a mission. And so, I mean, your whole point of getting your license was not necessarily to even help people move here. It was to help our own, (laughs) our home financial future. And just, it made a lot of sense. But now in the last couple of weeks, what has shown up? Well, and that's, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, God is like, you know, God uh, writes straight with crooked lines, right? And and God like, God is like, you have no idea what I'm doing. I love that. Like, you think you know what you're doing. When I've said to you, go get your real estate license, it's like, I had no dream, no thought to become a realtor, right? That wasn't my plan. That was, look at the work I've done for 20 years. I help owners grow their businesses. I'm like, wait a minute, helping owners, real estate, own. <laughs> like, I'm helping people come into ownership, and of it's a like home, their domestic church. You're helping domestic churches. Oh my girl. goodness. I love it. I love it. And it's like, but the idea that God could use a license to have me help connect like real estate agents that are like minded uh, on the west side, like in the Puget Sound area, like help families to be able to, like Catholic families that I'm like that are listening to us. It's already happened. Like this one family that contacted me, I'm like, are you working with a, a good agent over? And they said, yeah. And they said, Catholic woman goes to Holy Family in Kirkland. And I know her. I'm like, oh my goodness, I love that. I said, put her in touch with me. And I want to talk about this reality of putting together this network of agents that are all over the state. Like this program's heard all over the state. So let's get these agents connected all over the state and let's work together to help families make the move. Because I spend... How much time I actually spend on like what house to get versus helping them navigate the, the emotions and the feelings and the thought processes well, and the work situations and the family situations and the discernment situations and the where situations. I mean, that's the hard part, actually. That It feels like the house is just the structure and not to put down real estate agents, but most of our houses that we find are on our own, on Redfin, on um, Zillow. You can find everything, everything, just about but what really is needed is someone to counsel and to walk with and to support and to pray for and to pray with 
these people making this arduous journey. It is not an easy thing to uproot your whole family and move. It is not in, you know, we did it out of desperation. And so that just was what sent us over the edge. Like we have to do this. And I mean, thank God. I mean, <laughs> let's see. When, do you know that silly joke when you were on the top of the mountain and God sent a helicopter and he sent... Uh, no, you're in the house, <laughs> right? And there's a flood coming and so the sheriff knocks on the door and then the people come by in the rowboat and then the helicopter comes on when you're on the roof. And then the guy dies. And he says, why didn't you rescue me? You didn't listen to the cop at the door. The guy's in the rowboat. I sent you the guy. See, this is God saying, I sent Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. I sent COVID. I sent vaccine mandates. I sent a church that's just fallen apart. I sent comprehensive sent sexuality com education. <laughs> I've sent transgender everywhere. I have clearly sent the message that things are not good. Well, that's the Elijah thing. Yeah, I mean, how much more has to happen in our culture before people are like, you know what, I can't just go along with everything that's happening and say I'm a good Catholic. If I'm going to be a good Catholic, I'm going to literally be in opposition to so much that's happening in the in these like foundational laws and policies of the state of Washington. It's like, oh my goodness, really? That's what That's what it's come to? And then it's a matter of, well, if I'm going to actually foster a faith perspective, if I'm going to say, no, I choose God and faith, well, then I'm going to need others to walk with, the Benedict option. I need others to be with. You know, I was just listening to um, Matt Frad. He has, I think he has one of the most listened to podcasts, I would say. I don't really know. I don't watch the numbers, but he does Pints with Aquinas. And his podcast lasts about two hours, which seems really long, but they don't seem that long when I'm listening to him. Um, and it's once a week, so you spread that out. But he just had said just this week, if you do not move to a place like a Benedict option, then you are going to lose your faith. And it's not just him. It's not just you. This is going out nationwide, worldwide. You need to find a place of faith, a place of a refuge, culture that is faith-based, where people have a, a moral, conservative, traditional view of how to grow. How about just normal? We're not even like, we sound, I sound extreme when I say conservative, but I'm just like normal, like normalcy has gone out the door and you don't even realize it's not normal anymore until you leave that area and go to normal. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I had no idea all the things I'm mentally battling every day when I walk into a store, when I walk into a library, when I drive down the street, when I see all the billboards, when I turn on the radio, it's just nonstop, non-normal. Anyhow, and it's not the new normal, by the way. It is the new abnormal because nothing will ever be normal again. And that is probably part of the sadness and part of the depression and part of the anxiety is like, I will never have this vision and hope of what I thought our future would be. God is resetting it or he's redoing it because there is something just different from what I thought our future would be with grandkids and, you know, where we're going to live and family all around. It's just not and what the church is and what our community is. It's it is not. And so it's just really hard to go through all that adjustment and not know the future and then say, God, we know you're in this, but we want to be surrounded with like-minded men and women to grow together, to to live for the purpose of eternity, not to, you know, make a big bank account and retire or whatever. Um, anyhow. Well, Carrie, this might seem like a, like a big distance in time, but if I could just do like two snapshots. When I grew up in Burlington, Massachusetts, a town of 20,000 people. That's not a lot of people, 20,000. It had two Catholic churches in it. That's a lot for 20,000 people, two Catholic churches. Think of it. We lived in Federal Way that had 90,000 people and two Catholic churches. You're right. Okay, so I grew up in a town, 
20,000 people, two Catholic churches. And what we had on Saturday, three masses. Three four, Saturday night. Three Saturday masses, four, five, 15, and seven. Sunday, we had 7.30, 8.30, 9.45, 11.00, and 12.15. You still remember I do. Times. Well, I was an altar boy. <laughs> so did you serve all five of them, uh, all eight well, of them? <laughs> no, you know why? We had so many altar boys. Okay. So many altar boys. Good luck. I had one mass a Sunday, if I at all. And I was an altar boy for five years. That just seems like just just nothing just against the church. Like eight. How can a priest possibly, or priests, serve that many people? We had four priests. But still. No, hold on. We had four how priests. How could you serve? In a parish that was serving 10,000 people. You know why? Almost everybody was Catholic. And if you went to the 945, 11, or 12, 15 masses, guess what? Standing room only. This, was, this church was big. It had a front and a back, and they would open up, and so the front and the back was full. Is this St. Malachi's? This is St. Malachi's. Okay, Malachi. Now, that's, that was when I grew up. So that would be the like um, 70s into the early 80s. It was that full. Okay, now let's fast forward 40 years. 40 years? Well, 40 years now? You know what? They've combined the two churches into one, the other parish and this one. The town has like doubled in size. But the number of Catholics, well, there's still a ton of Catholics there, but guess what? They're not going to church anymore. And so now you go to a Mass on a Sunday, and it's practically empty. You were there last two weeks ago? We went there um, with my two boys, and we went to the daily Mass, and it was like, oh, there's like 10 people here. And, and that's for both serving both parishes at once. And it was just so sad. It Wait, is so- that St. Bridget's they closed? Um, no, it was they had St. Malachy's and St. Margaret's. Oh, St. Margaret's. So what right. they did okay. was they created a new parish. They called the St. Veronica's, <laughs> and so St. Veronica <laughs> occurs. St. Veronica at St. Malachy's. Oh, St. Veronica at St. Margaret's. Some kind of clever marketing company came up with this idea of somehow letting parishes keep their identity even as they're closing down. So you stop and say, in forty years, if you lose that. And you have one priest serving both parishes. If you lose that kind of numbers, that's devastation. That is devastation. Well, that's just one tiny, tiny little snapshot. And that gets multiplied, I don't know, in the 190 dioceses, multiplied 190 times, right? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know of any area that's just booming with people signing up to go to Mass or with... um a church being built. Well, a couple of places where church, churches right. are being built. There, I mean, the one place is Franciscan University, which is so unique. It's so incredibly unique. And I was thinking about this. Right now we're in, we're in Spokane Valley, but we literally have about, I would say 500,000 in Spokane. How many do you think is in Pulse Falls Coeur d'Alene? Like another 500? No. 300. I was going to say 100,000. So six, 700,000. So, and we have multiple churches well, Steubenville is like two churches, and they're in this tiny little town. I would say it's about 25,000. But everyone, there's like three, two places to get groceries. There's one Walmart. <laughs> it is tiny. And so you are just inundated with Catholic culture there, and you're not driving. Like right now, we could drive a half hour uh, west, east or west to two different cities. There, you literally drive 10 minutes, and you're just about anywhere in that whole area. So it's the tiniest, I mean, it's the it's perfect, density, it's right? ideal. It is really yeah. ideal because it is so densely Catholic and it's so densely, you're not driving. Like right now, it's hard for me to connect with a lot of Catholic women 
because we're literally in 12 different parishes, right? And schools. Mm -hmm. There, there's one Catholic high school, and there's like two element Catholic schools, like, you know, parochial schools. But even that, they said well, is... Well, but Carrie, for me, what's most exciting about Steubenville is the college, because you get a whole bunch of kids there, right? You talk about oh, well, the, yeah, the density of kids that have faith. <laughs> I think like 5% just stay every year. So every year they're adding on to the density of culture, and then all the professors are there and all this... It is the only Forget economy. The town. I, f I want to focus on my daughter, and she sent that video. She, Forget Carrie, that town. She sent the daughter. I mean, here she is. She's a freshman at Franciscan. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's so exciting. It's all exciting. What are, what are they all excited about? Father Michael Schmitz is going to speak. Oh, he actually has the most popular podcast. The, the, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Year in a Bible in a yeah, Year podcast. Yeah, that's what that, He has the Bible in a Year. And, right. Um, which I don't know how long, I mean, I don't know how many people are still listening now that we're almost towards the end, but she said it was like a rock concert. She goes, mom, you could not believe it. They had us all like roped off and then they opened the doors and kids went running and racing and yelling to get their seats. And it was like a rock concert. I was laughing so hard. She goes, it was crazy. She goes, then I sat by this old lady I'm not old as relative, so I'm thinking in their 60s. But Probably your age. Yeah, so she knows that. She doesn't consider me old, but she was, and her husband was a professor there at the school, and she was so excited. And when he came out, she started clapping and slapping me on the leg, going, there he is, oh my gosh, there he is, there he is. She goes, it was crazy. How many people are crazy about this praise? Like, she, she we watched him online with when we were doing... Um, when uh, we had the yeah you know, the live stream masses yeah for a couple the early months stages yeah for a couple of months that's how people yeah. got to know him but um she said it was it was good she said the talk was good it wasn't as well I think it was a panel it wasn't because she said Scott Hahn was also talking and so she said that she she liked him though um my father Michael Schmidt but it was just cute for her to see the I guess the Catholic culture but just back to what Fra Matt Frad was saying is. You know, you need to find a place. You need, you need to find a small density of population where you are. It's really hard to connect if you're not geographically. It's not. There's something about being in a large area that makes it really difficult to build community. And that smaller, closer, like literally us wanting to move into another neighborhood. Um, our hope is to move into a neighborhood that's at 20 minutes from here because there's like 18 Catholic families over there. And it's just, you want to get, it, and more intentional. It's like, okay, we need to be even more intentional. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's that, that. And that's where, again, it's like there are, there's always levels. It's like the onion, right? There are layers of this, and you don't realize it till you take the next step. You don't realize it till you to take the next step. I appreciated it when I, went, when I went to Our Lady Star of the Sea in Bremerton. And on a Friday night, yes. there were 250 people from the parish yes. who were there, families. That's really cool. And they have the school at the parish. And now they have a high school at the parish. In Bremerton, you know, it's it, it, there's a degree of separation yeah. there where you can have that sense of culture. And I'm like, wow, what a gift. What a gift they have there at Our Lady Star of the Sea in Bremerton. They have that Benedict Option kind of spirit about them. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, I, so what I think about is uh, a couple of like, let's call them spiritual discernment lessons or principles for anybody, and it's this: 
Um, don't be surprised when you get surprised. Like you might think that you have it mapped out that as God has used you or as you have seen God unfold his mission and purpose for your life in one stage, that it's always going to be that. And I have to admit, I'm just really surprised. What are you surprised by? I'm surprised by the fact that I've spent my life in ministry, like my life in ministry um, up to now has been focused on giving talks, producing resources, doing the radio, online ministry. And then I go do professional work that is coaching and consulting CEOs, business owners, and helping them grow their teams. And now I'm like, wait a minute, what if I can do on my professional side something that's more ministry related. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, there aren't as many talks to give because churches are still really closed, but I'm spending my time doing a lot of talking to families who are trying to discern how to get through today. And again, wherever your Egypt is, you stay in place, you get, you move, you grow, grow closer to another parish, you go to a different school, or you actually make a move um, and, and you move to be near an intentional community that's not an easy journey to make. And it's like, wow, so God is using the stories we share. And in beyond that, now I'm like, wow, God can actually use this, use my professional like skills to grow teams, connect people together and help walk with people. It's exactly what I've done with leaders for all these years. And now if I can do that and help them actually move to a different neighborhood and, and get their families like settled and get their kids detoxed from just the, the toxic cult culture of where they've lived. Wow. Wow. What a neat mission. I'm in. Let's go, Lord. So anyways, it's um, um, and, and here's the thing. I, I didn't chase it. It found me. It was like literally like the day that I got my uh, fingerprints like done for the real estate license. All these calls started coming. How many is all these calls? Like thousands? Thousands of calls. <laughs> well, it's been somewhat nonstop, right? Yeah. I think I've talked to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven families in the last week. That's amazing. No wonder why I don't see you anymore. Yeah. So, so I'm like, where's my when, I, when you, were, you were looking at me at dinner and I just had this kind of... Oh, like, I'm so tired. I had this glazed like, look uh -oh. in my eyes. And, I, did not and, I do not miss this look. About five years ago, I think when you had five jobs before I started helping you. And I was like, and I think I was busy with a bunch of babies. So I just could not like speak into your life because I was just busy. I couldn't even breathe. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. Why do you have all these? Why are we working so hard? This is not healthy. Yeah. And so I stripped back so much. It doesn't so feel, but it doesn't feel bad when you're ministering it doesn't like when you work that hard for others or you're building the kingdom it just feels like you get a hundredfold you know 30 60 hundredfold when you're doing the work of the lord it just feels different so I, i'm going to share this because there are a number of these people i'm talking to they're like i'm gonna have to leave my job I'm, i might have to leave my career because of um a mandate around vaccination or a policy in the company they work for and it's like I refuse to be bullied. I refuse to take a, a, a make a decision for my own medical well-being um, that I, in good conscience, can't do. Um, and so what do I do now? And all of a sudden, it's like they're faced with a, a situation where their personality, their background, their own tendencies are, 
I just go work for a company and I just have a career and I, I'm kind of taken care of and I make the money I need. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's most people. But to find the support, encouragement, and accountability to help them say, you know what? We can help you be creative here. We can help you find another way. There is a way to do this. It might be harder. It might be different. It might be more uh, challenging and stretching you in ways that you never thought possible. But I'm here to help you. Like, do you know how encouraging that is? When they realize they're not alone. Yes. So it, it honestly, it's the work I've done as a coach for 20 years, helping these executives to stretch into new roles, get ready for a new advance in their career, to step up to a, um, a new position. And I'm like, no, you can do this. You don't have to just keep doing the things you've done. Let's map this out. Let's get a vision, a strategy, a plan, and let's put it into action. Do you enjoy trying to break down those blockages? Absolutely. Yeah, it's... Um, I find, I find so much life in doing that and helping a team overcome blockages, right? It's like one of the biggest things I do is I go in and I help a CEO figure out. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll just move this guy along. Here's your severance package. You no, see this person here? This not. person's a gift, but not to you and not to this situation right now. Let's, let's try to help them shift and change. And if not, then let's find a, another place for them or a it's different role. It's so interesting that you would be taking those skill, that skill set and using it to build the kingdom here on earth. You know what I'm saying? It's right. just really cool. I've, I always I've thought of it thought as like tent making, right? St. Paul built tents yeah. so he could preach the gospel. So I was doing this coaching and consulting in order so that I could still do church work. But isn't it just like God to just do things like 10 times what we think in our little mind? Like when he's working in eight different ways and you just see the one strand, the, run, the one lane that you're in. But then when you look back, you see like eight different lanes that he was working at once. As long as we're in his will. And then there are 87 other lanes that I have no idea that about. In heaven, right? you'll see this beautiful tapestry of whatever. So here's the thing, brothers and sisters, this is your life too. right? So your life too, you have a dream, you have a vision for what your life is meant to be. And then all of a sudden, you're going to bump up against a time where there's a challenge, a difficulty, a tribulation presented to you that was unexpected, that you didn't maybe account for, and you're feeling at a loss regarding what to do. I share that with you just to say, don't be shocked when that happens, but be ready to be shocked by the generosity God shows you in those moments. As you seek him, as you're open to him, as you're willing, here's the thing, to say yes, even in advance of knowing where it's going to lead, yes. that you trust him, you trust that he will see you through, that even though you were caught off guard, he wasn't. He will see you through and he will bring you and, and those that, that are under your care to that path of life, whatever that looks like. It is a, it's a fundamental act of trusting in God. So it's something that I saw running a nonprofit for 16 years and worked with nonprofits and still do. But when that also hits life, where you can't just live according to the, that beautiful plan that you had laid out, heading towards your own retirement, and all of a sudden it's completely upended, the apple cart's upended, and it's like, okay, where do we go now? And it's like, you know what? Got to find your Egypt. By Again, find your Egypt. It was Joseph brought the baby Jesus and the Blessed Mother to Egypt because Herod was going to slaughter the innocents, and he had to move, not to hide, but to lead, provide, and protect. Lead, provide, and protect so that Jesus could grow. And he could become the savior of the world and not be slaughtered as an innocent child. And so too many of our kids, too many kids are being slaughtered 
just slaughtered in their faith, in their innocence, and it, just in their innocence. Their identity. Their own sense of identity slaughtered. Yeah, it's really awful to watch. It's terrible. And, and heartbreaking. Terrible. And to be there, and we've been there, it's, it's, I do not wish that on my worst enemy, literally. Yeah. And so, uh, and the sadness is, it's being applauded and promoted and advanced in the school systems with this comprehensive sexuality education. It's being applauded and promoted and seductively, cleverly presented through media and then enshrined in laws and policies in this state of Washington. Devastating, devastating things, right? Obviously the horror of abortion, which we've become too comfortable with, to the reality of transgender ideology and Are we going to go through the whole litany? I know, I know, really, do really right? We do it how many go there? times. Let's just right. cut it off. So it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like you guys, if you don't know it, you don't know it. I don't know. I, I want to come. I want to come around to something, though, Carrie, and that was that um, God blessed me with you. Yes. God blessed me. Yes. God blessed me with you. Meaning what? That if I had to do this, um, and you were resistant, reluctant, you you stuck your heels in the ground because I did all the work. I was working. <laughs> sorry, so I'm sorry. I had something in my throat. I literally was on the phone. Yeah. Twenty four seven. So. Um, yes. No, back to blessing me, blessing you. Go ahead, keep going. What That's was good. the blessing? The blessing was um, once you came around, once once the demon was cast out. Thank you. Jesus. So, the spiritual attacks. Hey, the Lord is going to use everything. The Lord uses everything. Everything, even your um, wife's resistance and rebellion. But it was the fact that um, we had a an, a married life of the Lord has a mission. He brought us together for our sanctification and for his purposes. So let's grow in holiness together. Let me help you become holy and a saint and vice versa. And let's let's discern and live God's mission for our life. I, I don't know about you, Tom, but I think I'm doing an awesome job helping you be a saint. <laughs> like you are kicking it out of the park. On the other You're hand. Actually hitting it out of the park. Kicking. You kick it into the goal, right? <laughs> like I said, on the other hand, you are doing a terrible job. Your wife does not have is not even close to getting a capital S. If you can help me figure out what else to do I to get my know. wife to is it more fasting, more I'm just prayer? I'm thinking you're doing a terrible job. You're going to get to heaven and go, "Lord, you did not give me oh. a lot to work with." So, this is as far as we could go. <laughs> oh, maybe I got to buy a lottery ticket. I don't know if that'll Is there like a saint lottery ticket out there? I, get yeah. a winner. Um, well, we're coming up against a break, but I want to come back around to that theme carry because there's unity there's complementarity, but then there's also diversity or multiplicity. And that's one of the blessings in our married life as well that people don't often talk about. What do I mean by that? I'll tell you in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So Carrie, talking about um, husband and wife and the fact that we have the, got this complementary spirit, that really came from that, um, that, pod, uh, that, that blog post I mentioned at the beginning of the program that you sent me. That I did send you. Did I really send it to you? No, um, I did not send it to you. I got it, it in you. a text. No, it was a group text that went to all your daughters and sons. It was for them to read. Really? Yes. And I it was you were sending it to me, like, so you, that I could kind of like read it and then kind of critique it or say, oh, I like this insight or that. No, I really liked this. Is, he's actually a really good, um, he's a really good writer. So his name is, he's a convert. He's out of Minneapolis. What's his name? Sam Guzman or Guzman? Probably Guzman. He has a blog called thecatholicgentleman.com. And he was on Matt Frad's Pint with Aquinas. And why did I go? I just went on his site to read. Why did I go on his site? I don't know. 
probably because he was a guest on the podcast. He had a really good article about why the devil hates Mary. It was very insightful. He has a lot of little insightful ahas that when you read it, you're like, oh, yeah, that really makes sense. Or, And he's very easy to read. I don't know. I'd highly recommend if you're looking for something to read that you go to the Catholic gentleman. It's four guys, and it's all, this, you know, references to Latin. He's a Latin mass goer. But um, some of the stuff I've seen on there just from the last few days is like, oh, wow, this guy's really good. I send it because I want my daughters to think about what does a guy look for in you? So how do you want to show up? And to my sons, what did you look for in a wife? It was like twofer. Wow, that's Sorry, awesome. Sorry, Tom, it wasn't well, about you and I'm me like, at all. We're, this train I, I has better, left I the station. I better go back and read this to figure <laughs> out what you're saying our, <laughs> our daughters ought to become and our sons ought to look for. Uh, it's just it's kind of the basic stuff, but the but our kids don't know this stuff. We don't really talk about it right. much, and so we have to form them. I'm like, I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, why don't we have more conversations around faith? And I'm like, even though we've been stripped down in our busyness and we've reduced so much our involvement in sports and things like that, life is still so very busy that we have precious little time with our kids just all together when they're not like exhausted or busy with homework and and other activities going mm-hmm. on. I'm like. Wow, we're still being robbed. Mm-hmm. So we do really rely a lot on the kids' schooling, like where they're going to school to foster faith in them. And youth group. And yeah. That's about what's the it. youth group they're going to? What's what's the? Uh, and then that's your peers. I mean, it's really it limited. Really is. It's a it's a challenge. It's it's has to be. Like, how do you at, make it intentional? Unless yeah, you like are just homeschooling, or you strip them away from any kind of other activities, it's really hard to have a lot of that formation. Anyways, so is there something you wanted to bring up in that what to what to look for in a wife? Uh, it was funny. I was reading it. Not really, but I was thinking that I didn't do a very good job. Being your wife, I'm like, I, I fell in a few of these areas. Um, no, that he wrote this, I think, before he got married. I'm like, wow, he's actually really insightful. And he's a reader. He reads hours and hours. He wants to come home and read a book and stay in a book and sit on the couch and read. So he's a studious guy. And that's probably why he gets great insight. He's just reflective. He does that interior life stuff that's really boring. Well, and then he also has to be able, he has to be able to reflect and then express, right? Yeah. Because you have people who can be thinking a lot of stuff, but to bring it out into the open in a way that's clear and clean and concise, yeah, you know that's not easy. But the article is just a great refresher, too. Yeah. So, so. shared faith, um, and I, all I can say is, you know, you and I that have worked with married couples and talked with them, the reality of shared faith becomes more important the longer a marriage goes on. Um, when you get into the well, especially when you have kids. Yeah, when you have kids, and then when kids get older, and then you're facing big, big life decisions. Um, for the kids, when you don't have a common faith, when it comes to addressing challenges or pursuing goals, that becomes really hard. So it's again, it's hard to say that to someone who's in their early 20s, like you have no idea how important it is to have a common faith. All of this seems like important. And it's like, how did how do we make it? It's a sacrament. How do you even make it in marriage? I'm looking at some of the stuff going, we were so naive, wonderfully well, naive and innocent and unknowing. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well, and we knew that. I mean, having a shared faith was that was obviously the basis of our our relationship. Yeah, but I don't think we realized how hard it'd be for people who. Don't oh no, share no, we did not. When we see people, our siblings, struggle. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, well, the second is you can talk for hours, and when I read that, I'm like, oh, that's just a personality thing. I mean, you and I were like that. This is my wife and I dated long distance, so the vast majority of our courtship, all we could do was talk and talk. We did. We spent five hours on the phone. 
I would say you could make out for hours. Like, forget that. Joking. (laughs) Joking. Well, this was us. We dated long distance, and the vast majority of our courtship, all we did was talk, and we would talk for hours. I don't think we ever talked for five hours. No. But we would talk for a couple of hours. No, I don't think I could talk for five hours. I would be like, let's go do something. I just could not. Yeah. Uh, this is actually articles not about you and me, Tom. This is was for our kids again. Are you yeah. just enjoying re- reminiscing <laughs> about the qualities that we? I, do I don't know. It? I just I just think that um, I, I know a lot of couples that are um, like one's more talkative and one more one's more quiet. So the idea that you can talk together, I would trace that back to personalities. You have compatible personalities. So that here's how I would say it. You like each other. Really, I, it's like that's something that I didn't appreciate. Um, like people would say things like, um, you're, they're best friends. But best friends can mean you like doing stuff together. You have common interests. I, I think there's something like maybe underneath that, maybe, maybe, or if I had to pull a thread on what it means you married your best friend, is that you not only love them, but you like them. You enjoy them. It, it, there's, I think that there's a, um, a a laughter, but laughter as enjoyment, not laughing at, but like that sense, that freedom that just makes you smile, and then the smile overflows into like a boisterous enjoyment. That is so important in marriage. Um, so you're looking at me. Are you wondering about that? You no, I think it? that's good. Uh, I think that it, you have to work on that. You have to like get out and do date nights and keep things fresh. So it just, not you know, it's there, but then it has to be with all the hurt and ways in which, you know, two people fallen living together. You got to keep that fresh. And that's, that's work. I think the amount of work it takes to keep things going in the right direction is more than what I would have thought, but it's worth it. So it is a hard easy no, I'm laughing. It says, she makes you want to be a saint. Oh, that's and like number five. five. So it's not your saint, but she makes you want to be a saint. So there's a sense of you working hard, going to daily mass, fasting, working out, doing the keto thing, doing the ministry. It's just like when I see you live your life, your best version of yourself. Yeah. It does I, I make read that me. And I'm like, no, that's not right. Okay. So what part of that does not she makes you want to be a saint no you want to make her a saint but because you're inspired by the love my wife makes me want to be a better man look for a woman who makes you want to grow up and be responsible not someone who makes you feel comfortable being an adolescent for the rest of your life that's a really i don't know if that's a really narrow like I don't know. I think that's more revealing of him than a, a common thing. <laughs> and it says, you want a woman who loves you for who you are, flaws and all. I'm talking about what you naturally feel, not a project to change you. I was like, I definitely married you with a project in mind. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it's true. Oh, you, I got you, a big fat ass. You let F. me know that. You let me know that. <laughs> all, all in Jesus' holy name. Yes. Well, it was that whole idea of who I could become. You saw through my 
clothing choices and I know, my but hairstyle. Tom, that's and so superficial. Shouldn't I just have accepted you for... That's so good. I love you. Come on. But that's the... Well, you know what, Carrie? That's that whole complementary. Like, people talk about that, complementarity, where our differences enrich each other and they lead, you know help yeah. each other grow. I want to say this. This is something I don't think I've ever read. And it's that um, it's not just, oh, where, where you and I have a common personality, we can run together. Like we're both very creative, right? Um, or where, where we're different, there's that richness. And that richness allows us to really enjoy something. Like what well, you're good at, I'm not so good at. We, we work together. You're really good at putting together events. I'm good at like talking with people. So, oh, good, let's put together an event. I'll talk with them and everything goes well. Um, where we're different, where we were actually different, and, and not different necessarily in a way that's conflictual, but different in a way that says, um, this is an area where you can grow, um, is actually really helpful. And I say that from coaching, coaching executives and working with teams, where growth often happens is not where they're unified and where they're complementary. So how do you find out where you're different? Just marry someone. <laughs> just like, just after for, after the first I, month. All I can say is this, Carrie. <laughs> it's like it, no one told me this, but if I said, "How have I grown most in holiness? Is it where you and I were most united? No. Or where you and I were most complementary? No. It's a fa- or where it's you a furnace, and I baby. were most different. It's iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpens iron. It really. I. I. You know what? I again, I never even thought about this until you sent me that blog post, and I started to think. Wait a minute, how would I say it? And I'm like, we always hear about unity and complementarity, but I'm like, no, it's about the difference. It's actually about the difference. You should pick up on this. And when you have a difference that is rooted in a love, a commitment, a unity, and a complementarity, then the difference is actually incredibly powerful to like purge and chisel and forge that holiness in a way that if you didn't have those differences, you just wouldn't get there. I think I wanted to explore this more because I think this is the first time we've ever talked about it in this way. Yeah, I, I just came to it because of the blog. So, and we're at the end of our program. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, God bless you guys. Join me on Monday for more Sun Insight.